Michael Oshlink here with Greg Amundsen. He is the author of Fire Breather Fitness, Work Your Body, Mind, and Spirit into the Best Shape of Your Life. How you doing, Greg? I'm doing great, brother. Good to see you. It's uh, <laughs> great to see you, actually, in person. I know. <laughs> we are uh, here in Encinitas, California. I'm out here for the Inner Circle for Seal Fit. You came out to hang out uh, with some Inner Circle members for the Academy, which exactly, is yeah. included. Yeah, to show some love and encouragement. Fantastic. I, I knew the crucible they'd be going through and wanted to support them every way that I could. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. Man. Yeah. You are actually one of the coaches we are using for our Inner Circle members, um, and I want to get amazing feedback from our guys, the way you're working with them, because you, you very much like the program we teach at SealFit on Beetle Oman, come from a very integrated or holistic approach to mm -hmm. mind, body, and spirit. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit back about your background that kind of led you to this uh, multidisciplinary, integrated approach to health. Yeah, you know, it's a great question. So much of the man I've become and still am striving to develop into is from the mentorship and the example my dad led me on. My dad was a chiropractor. He was a pastor. He was a bodybuilder. He was a champion martial artist. And he loved exercise. But specifically, what he loved was integrated exercise, integrated fitness. And my early childhood recollection are my dad and I driving to the YMCA to work out. And on our drive to the YMCA on the audio cassette deck in his car, he's playing Deepak Chopra, Wayne Dyer. Oh, my goodness. And yeah, he's, he's, he's instilling in me at that young age the power of the spoken word, the power of our thought process, and how our thoughts become our words, which become our reality. So... There I am exercising my physical body, and in many respects, he's teaching me the significance of exercising my mind and disciplining my thought process. And then in terms of spiritual growth, that was also very early on in my childhood. I attended a Catholic school, so I had that rigorous, very traditional Catholic approach, yet my dad, being a minister of inner denomination, helped me see the broader scope of how spirituality can essentially weave into every component of our life, whether it be a relationship, our exercise program, our profession, the way that we experience life can be a spiritual experience. <laughs> well, today's Father's Day. Yeah. Which is a great time for us to talk about your yeah. father. Yeah. Is he still with us? He's, he's not. Both, oh. both my mother and father have passed away, yet in many respects he's even with me now to a greater degree <laughs> than nice. he was when he was alive because he's always with me now. Uh, and speaking of your father and uh, him being a minister, you, you also wrote a book from a religious perspective. Can you just yeah. speak briefly about sure, that? Sure, yeah. I have another book in addition to Fire Breather Fitness called God in Me. And that was my, my you know, it was, um, there's, I, I think there's a saying among authors that, you know, we write a book first for ourselves. Like there's, there's, there's a, a, a process of writing that's very internal. And there's something in us that needs to come out. That's the journey of the author. And what was in me was this excitement, this enthusiasm for the relationship I developed with God. And God was really helping me to see that any separation that we perceive between our mind and our body and our soul and God is simply a construct of our thinking. So God never limits us in any degree of our life. We limit ourselves, And one of the ways that we limit ourselves is our ability to know and experience the presence of God. And what God was helping me see is that his presence is always with us. The only reason that we're not able to experience that is our own limited thinking. And we apply that to any 
component of our life. Anything we want to achieve in our life, the moment that we desire is in our reality to achieve. It exists in that moment. The only reason why we would not move the vibratory state of what we desire into the physical realm is our own limited thinking. Is that kind of thinking that emerged in the conversations on the road that you and your father had? Because you, you mentioned Wayne Dyer, you mentioned Deepak Chopra, and that sounds very much like the way they conceive of the world in which we live in, in which you know, the limitations of our lives are based on the limitations of our thinking. Yes. Yeah, that, that was from, from my dad, and that's just from Bible study and uh, time in church and you know, um, reading the, the Bible, specifically like the ministry of Jesus Christ, through the lens of metaphysics. And looking at what Christ said, for example, one of the things he says, Jesus Christ in his ministry at the Sermon on the Mount, is that blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be fulfilled. And in the Bible, righteousness just means right thinking. So, so the, the, the way that like in the inner circle we would understand that is, is successful and prosperous are those that hunger and are thirsty to feed the dog of courage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> For they will be fulfilled. Because yeah, when we're feeding yeah, yeah. the dog of courage, that's righteousness. That's right thinking. So to, to, to look at the ministry of Jesus Christ through the perspective of like the warrior spirit and the unbeatable mind and CrossFit and martial arts is fascinating. Well, you know, it's a, it's, it's a new perspective on, on, huh. on a wisdom that's, that's been there forever, for eons. So... You say CrossFit, you also do martial arts, and I do want to get into your background into both. Sure. But I'm curious, uh, your book on God. Yeah. Um, with your background in fitness and health and, and changing the one's thinking, uh, affecting the world they live in, and spirituality, what kind of reception are you getting in the religious spiritual community for your book on God? And, and has it been a vehicle for some people to uh, use it to access other ways of thinking that you areas you work in like the health and fitness yeah. and stuff. It's been it's been received extraordinarily well both for friends and colleagues that are not necessarily coming from a spiritual background. Mm -hmm. They're finding the book very the, the the word I hear a lot is it's very available. Mm -hmm. Like the the message is available. It makes sense because it's written through this perspective of of um, warriorship of the achievement of our goals and dreams, all biblically based. So it's based on the word of God. It's just that like anything in life, we perceive things based on our own experiences. So you and I would, would perhaps witness um, um, an event unfold before us, but your experience is life and my experience is life are going to influence the way we see what we see. Mm -hmm. So the way that I've experienced life has led me to a certain realization and understanding of God's Word in my life. Well, it turns out that the way that I'm understanding God's Word is a way of understanding God's Word that's helping a lot of people. <laughs> well, you know? and, and speaking of your own experiences, you have a fascinating background previous to your work in fitness and health and such. Can mm -hmm. you talk a little bit about sure, that? Sure, yeah. I mean, most of my... You know, I've always been passionate about pursuing the warrior spirit. And I think as I've moved through different archetypes in my life, for a long time... This might be the experience of yourself and, and other people, in particular men. I think at a young age, we, we associate our journey with the external pursuit. So as a warrior, as a young warrior, I identified with the external expression of that, which was military and law enforcement. 
So it was, well, if I'm a warrior, if I identify with the archetype of warrior, then I must need to carry a weapon and wear a uniform and serve and protect. So I gravitated into the law enforcement and military career in a variety of capacities. My career spanned from working in Santa Cruz on a SWAT team to a special agent with the DEA to a liaison with DEA to a border enforcement security task force. It was, it was vast, incredible experiences. And same with my military experience. Phenomenal experiences in both regards. Yet at a certain point, I realized that there was more to the warrior journey than simply the next accolade or the next physical accomplishment. And that was even mirroring my journey in CrossFit. In CrossFit, I was very focused on the whiteboard, which is another way of achieving goals and desiring the recognition that comes with the achievement of whiteboard recognition. And, and speaking of CrossFit, uh-huh. you were like an earlier adapter. Yeah. Speak a little bit I, was, I was sure I was one of the very, you know, <laughs> probably the first five or six people in the world to uh-huh. be doing CrossFit, mentored from the ground floor by <clears throat> Coach Glassman, the founder of CrossFit. And what's interesting, too, is that my, my journey in CrossFit, my journey in Krav Maga, the martial art I study and teach, and my journey in law enforcement all happened within a few months of each other. Oh, that's interesting. So one, one led to another. You know, just out of the police academy, about a month after I was um, on the street working what's called a solo car, where I'm now by myself as a deputy, I find CrossFit. And a week after founding CrossFit, I found a flyer for Krav Maga, and met my first mentor in Krav Maga, Londell Theus. So these, these um, learning opportunities, each unique, yet all of them integrated in many respects, mm-hmm. very complementary, were all happening in my life simultaneously. So the growth and the, the rate of, of um, advancement that I had was, was I think, profound. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it was through no effort of myself. It was just the way that God lined up these mentors and these life experiences in my life. I was able to radically accelerate these, these teachings. So military, law enforcement, at the same time law enforcement was CrossFit, Krav Maga. When did, the, when did the mirror pop in front of you, or was there a series of mirrors that pop in front of you that said the external is important? But it was my dad. Start looking in. It was my dad. So I, 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 my dad was in Stockton. I was in Santa Cruz at this time. And I went home and had, had I think it was a recent new, it may, may have been the SWAT team or a, a sniper. Something had happened where it was, a, it was another accolade. It was another worldly achievement. And I went home to celebrate with my dad. And my dad is, is saying to me, you know, Greg, a warrior does more than carry a weapon and wear a uniform. A warrior speaks a language of positive expectancy. Wow, and my, my my dad was worried that I was I was focusing too much mm-hmm. on the external, and not enough on what mattered most, and that was thinking, and speaking. Those are the real tools that the warrior uses and has to ultimately cultivate. And again, you know, if we if we look to the life of Christ, this is why I love um, looking at Christ as like a warrior leader, because one of the things that Christ said about this very tendency of the mind to project onto external gratification is there's a moment in his ministry where there there's a group of spies who are trying to find reason to persecute Christ and they notice that he has taken a meal him and his disciples and they've begun to eat but they haven't washed their hands which is a grave offense to Jewish law and they call Christ out on this and say whoa 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 you think you're above the law you haven't washed your hands and Christ said it's not what goes into a man's mouth that defiles him, it's what comes out. 
you know, so that ability to, to master the spoken word, to, to maintain a vigilant state of feeding the dog of courage, a positive mental attitude, like that's the ultimate battlefield for the warrior. It's interesting because using that as an example, he, he switches from the objective to the subjective or the intersubjective because then you teach <laughs> other people around you. And it sounds like from your father's counsel, you go from not necessarily you jettison the objective, but you recognize the subjective mm-hmm. and the intersubjective, the need to take what you have inside of you and express it outwards to inform and, and inspire other people. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah. yeah so so cool. again, like wow. to, you know, to succinctly answer your question, um, so many great mentors in my life but really, the, you know, the inception of everything was with my dad. Nice. Absolutely instrumental in, in, uh, in helping me to become the man I am now. Wow. Well, I would say we should have a moment of prayer for your father on Father's Day, but maybe not on this. Podcast. Yeah, afterwards. Let's yeah. do it. That'd yeah, be awesome. Well, you know, let's do it now. Okay. I'll say, I'll, I'll say a prayer. You know, Father, um, <laughs> isn't that funny? Father in heaven, <laughs> which means multiple things now. My dad in <laughs> heaven and, and Father God. I just want to ask a blessing upon all those fathers on this special day. We're recording this, my dear friend Michael and I, on Father's Day. And so I just want to ask a special blessing upon all the fathers in the world because the role that a father plays in a child's life is immense, is absolutely profound. And for even those people that may not be a father yet, we may, unbeknownst to us, play the role of a father figure. And so to anyone that is even remotely in a role of mentorship or leadership, just ask a blessing of wisdom and of safety upon you that the role that you play in those people's lives who look up to you would be blessed. Amen. Amen. Cool. Good idea, Michael. Yeah, Yeah, that was awesome. Nice. I like that. Yeah. Um, And before we actually jump into Fire Brother Fitness, your your recent book, Mm -hmm. you have a first book. Yeah. Which we haven't chucked. <laughs> That's and cool, man. If you want to just yeah. mention that what, briefly. It, you know, cool. it's funny you mentioned that, brother, because I, I actually have four books. Oh, uh, yeah, my, my, my very first book. Yeah, my very first book is Your Wife Is Not Your Sister. Uh, okay, that's one I know. Correct. Then yeah. I, I co-wrote a book when I was a captain in the army with uh, two other mentors of mine, and that's a book on leadership for militaries. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, it's a book on leadership for military leaders. What, the title? The title is um, Officer Candidate School. Tips for Military Leadership Success. I'm not 100% certain on the subtitle. Okay. Um, the other, the, the, the primary author on that is Major Scott Laverty. Is it, is it available to civilians, like on yeah, Amazon? Yeah, it's on okay. Amazon, okay. yeah. I think the leadership lessons are written specifically for Army leadership, yet anyone in a leadership role would, would benefit from the book. That's cool. All right. So yeah. Four books. Four books, yeah. Okay, about my, three. Yeah, my first book, your, your Wife Is Not Your Sister, that was... You know, I, I sat down with the intention of writing Fire Breather. Um, I, 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 I knew I wanted to bring to life God in me. Uh, I, it was a collective endeavor to write the military book on leadership. Your wife is not your sister. It didn't, I didn't intend to write that book. What happened is I, I went through a divorce, and it just it was, uh, it crushed me. Uh, it, was, it was one of the most difficult times of my life because my parents were married for 30 years, mm-hmm. After my dad passed away, my mom remained, in many respects, married for 10 more years wow. until she passed away. Wow. So that's what I knew huh? as, a, as a young boy. That was what I knew. And I knew what a husband was. And I, I had the example of my parents. And when that didn't work out in my life, I felt that I had failed. Um, my wife, myself, my family, God even. It was, it was, it was brutal. Um, 
Matter of fact, I remember I was driving back from El Centro, which is where I lived at this time, and I was relocating to Santa Cruz, and I marked the vine as I was on Highway 101 near San Luis Obispo just for some, some help, some support, and I, I told Mark everything that had been going down. And it was, it was this snowball effect of, uh, of challenges that, that I was experiencing. My mom had just died. Yeah, I was getting out of the Army and the DEA, so changing careers. I was dealing with family estate and burial planning. My dog had just died. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, and then I, I get news in a phone conversation that my wife has filed for divorce. On the phone? Yeah. Yeah, so while at military training. <laughs> So I'm like, man. <laughs> so I call Mark and I. I'm more yeah, exactly. So I, I, you know, I call Mark and, and what Mark says is is perfect at the time. He says, "I bet it hurts like hell." And in that moment, I you know I resisted that. I was I, I was hoping for some like, uh, you know, um, his 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 mantra of uh, looking good, feeling good, ought to be in Hollywood. Like I was hoping for some some level of encouragement. But in fact, what he said was what I needed to hear. Mm -hmm. Because I needed to come face to face with, with the fact that it hurt. Yeah. Like I was legitimately experiencing pain in my life. And what, what, what God put on my heart um, was, was, was seclusion and isolation. He needed to like father me and heal me. So I, I purchased an Airstream and I leased a plot of land in Aptos, California, in Santa Cruz County. And, and for about two months, I just kind of went into like seclusion, <laughs> like a cave. Wow. Yeah, and I uh, had, had very little human contact and uh, just prayed and meditated. It was in nature. I was in the middle of a forest. Nice. Yeah, so just went, went, uh, went within. You know, I turned my attention inward. In yoga, it's known as pratyahara, um, uh, re reversing the tendency of the mind to focus on the external conditions of our life. And I focused within and really connected at, at one of the most deepest levels of my life with God. And during that process, what God put on my heart was, externalize through through writing like get get out of your heart and mind what you learn put it on paper and ju just that process of bringing it out is going to be therapeutic in and of itself and and who knows what's going to come out of it like you may you may learn something through this process of writing so i started writing and and sure enough like a week later i've got you know around 100 pages and I, i'm reading what i had written and i'm i'm laughing at myself cuz i think of course like good on my wife for leaving like what a knucklehead the things i was doing were were deserving of wow, <laughs> someone leaving like this is not the way to treat uh, another human being especially your wife so it, it turned into 16 love lessons that i learned and and when i was done i i, you know, I went through a, a brief editing and, and created a pdf and sent it to my three younger brothers and a guy named george ryan who's a sergeant with lapd longtime friend of mine Jeff Martone, former special agent, phenomenal warrior. He's the founder of the CrossFit Kettlebell Course. So those are two of my best friends. I send it to them thinking, these guys are going to laugh at me and, and you know, they'll have sympathy on me for being a knucklehead. And it turns out that they didn't laugh. They, they responded and they're like, we're making some of these same mistakes. Oh, wow. Yeah. And there was a great deal you're, of... You were their mirror. I was, I was mirroring to them yeah. the, the possible repercussions mm -hmm. if they continued the behavior they were in. Mm -hmm. And then I, I realized, whoa, like if my youngest brothers and two of my best friends, people that are closest to me, are making these same mistakes, there's probably a likelihood other people are as well. And so um, I was very reluctant at first to, to publish that book because... Uh, my ego was was threatened. You know, I was I was very. I, I write this in the book. I was very successful 
in everything I'd done up to that time in my life, yet I'd failed where it mattered most. Wow. You know, my okay. ego was, was very threatened by, by publicly letting people know, dude, the guy completely blew it. Um, but I realized, no, 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 like, that ego is, is, is binding me, and, and I've got to, to um, pierce through that, yeah, yeah. that false yeah. identity, that illusion of the ego identity. And I'm glad I did, because to this day, that is the book that has been the most successful and has helped the mm -hmm. most people. It never ceases to amaze me the feedback I get, people that find that book. And usually it's, it's, it's gifted. Okay. Usually you, it's, it's most read in, in, in male warrior community, mm -hmm. in particular law enforcement. And it's usually a gifted book where someone who's going through either a separation or a divorce or it, it is going down that path, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. a friend gives them the book. And marriages are repaired. Wow. Um, families are restored. Um, people that are, that are on rocky terrain are able to, to, to redirect and, and navigate the course of what may have been a separation. Right, right. It okay. saved thousands of relationships. Man, that is awesome. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah, so it's, it's really, it's, it's one of my, um, it's one of the, 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 the works that I've done that I'm so grateful I had the courage to do it. Because it's funny, if you go to uh, SealFit, and I think you go to NavySeals.com as, as the portal for buying stuff from us, you have all this, you know, hardcore stuff. And yeah. I think your book is on there yeah. as well, right? It, it, as a matter of fact, it had just sold out. Okay. Um, yeah, Michael, the other gentleman who runs inventory, yeah. had emailed me about a week ago saying, hey, we need to reorder 20 more Wife is Not Your Sister books. Wow, sold that's out. great. Yeah. Okay. I think a lot of the books are sold through SealFit. That's cool. Yeah. Nice. Um, when did you write that one? That was in 2012. And then okay. the second, so the first edition was like, it's, it skyrocketed. And um, I refined it, reached out to Mark, because Mark was really instrumental. His, his advice, I bet it hurts like hell. That, that was what I needed to hear. Like that's, that gave me the courage to face mm -hmm. the, the, the reality of my mind. Um, and not identify with my thinking, but just to recognize like, oh, in this moment, my, 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 my witness, the great witness, is witnessing thoughts that are producing sorrow in my life, mm -hmm. that are producing a pain. You know, I needed to hear that. Right. Um, so I reached out to Mark for the second edition, and Mark okay. wrote the foreword to the book oh, cool. that's now available. So the current edition of the book has a foreword for Mark. All right. I'll make sure you include that in the show notes yeah. as well. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, of course, in the show notes, we'll have all your, all your stuff. Oh, cool. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Fire Breather Fitness. Yeah. So as I said at the very beginning, it's a kind of a comprehensive, integrated approach to human yeah. development. Yeah. Talk to me a little about some of the... Yeah. The, I, in many respects, I, I, I love this book. This, this, this book has been in the works since December 2001. Wow. Because that's when I found CrossFit. Okay. You know, and, and in many respects, this, a lot of the wisdom and lessons I share even date back prior to that, mm -hmm. you know, lessons from my childhood. Yet it was really December 2001 when I found Coach Glassman and started CrossFit. I just knew in time there was going to be a book. I just felt it. It was in me. Um, I just needed more time. I needed, I needed more life experience to, mm -hmm. to, to bring to the table a book that I think is worthy of identifying the mentors and the lessons that they've taught me. Because essentially what this book does is it gives people who may not have the opportunity to receive the mentorship and the experiences mm -hmm. that I've had in life mm -hmm. an opportunity to get firsthand training from those people. So people like Londell Theus, my Krav instructor, Mark Devine, Rolf Gates, like phenomenal teachers are in the book. 
And the same way they spoke to my heart, they can speak to the reader's heart. Wow. So it's really, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a consolidated uh, manual mm-hmm. for the integration of the mind, body, and spirit. And this is, following your book, you also are doing a podcast. Yeah. Talk to them a little about their podcast. Yeah, so that's a brand new endeavor. And, you know, it's, it's funny, like so many of, of, the, uh, of the directions in life were, were with the encouragement of other people. Mm-hmm. So the podcast was not my idea. What, what would happen is I would, I would conclude a podcast where I was a guest on another show. And I just, you know, I get pretty fired up about the topics. And um, it, never, it, ne- it never failed. Like, we, we finished recording, and the, the, the host would look at me and be like, Greg, you need to start your own show. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And at a certain point, um, I, think, I think the last person that said that, I was on a podcast with Scott McGee, um, a longtime, very dear friend of mine. He runs the Wadcast podcast. Okay. And... Scott, at the conclusion of the show, said, yeah, you need to start your own show. And a gentleman named Eduardo, who's the producer for Scott's show, <laughs> he's there recording. He's like, and, and he, he had recorded me on Kenny Kane's podcast, and Kenny had said the same thing. And Eduardo was like, Greg, I'm going to produce your show. Like, all you have to do is, is get this piece of audio equipment. You know, he gave me a brief tutorial. He's like, I'll do everything. Just start your own show, man. Like, enough is enough. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, That's so um, I think t- today at 12, um, episode 9 launched. Okay. So the show is um, the first and third Sunday of every month. Okay. And the show is really, um, it, it, it expands upon the mind, the body, and the spirit. Yet uh, season one, which is likely going to be, the remainder of 2017 is all about the power of the mind. So we're starting with the mind. We're starting from from what is within, and then working from that platform without. What What would you say is your cutting edge in terms of things that you're recognizing you need to learn in terms of the mind more about or experience more? Yeah, the the like the number one thing that I'm teaching that that has the most that's had the most resounding impact in my life and the life of people I coach is is what what I've what I've summed up in, in two words, and that is first words. <laughs> so I summed it up in two words. The, the practice is known as first words. And the idea is that every time we speak, we're speaking into silence. Every time we speak, we're speaking into pure potentiality. The warrior needs to cultivate the right words mm-hmm. in every moment of their life. And oftentimes when we converse, the words that we speak have no meaning. Mm-hmm. We're like parrots. Mm-hmm. We're rambling off regurgitated ways of thinking and speaking. Mm-hmm. Where the warrior is very precise with the way they speak. Because the warrior knows with absolute certainty that every word is like a seed planted into God's fertile soil. Mm -hmm. And everything we speak has a vibration. It calibrates, it resonates, and will ultimately begin to attract into our life what we're speaking about. And the reason I start with first words and not, for example, first thoughts, is that the words that we speak are a bit easier to manage Mm -hmm. because they exist in a realm of auditory perception. So we can hear what we're saying, where it is more challenging to witness what we're thinking. Mm-hmm. Yet if we start with what we're saying, this thought always precedes a spoken word. 
So when we get really good at speaking first words, what happens is there's a little bit of a pause in our mind before what we think and what we say. So there's a continual process of witnessing taking place mm -hmm. where as I'm cultivating in my mind the sentence that I intend to speak, before it's spoken, there's a witnessing of that thought, and then it's projected through my voice. So let me let me talk to two different pathways to that to what you just said. I, I could imagine where some people are very imprecise; they're very uh, ego-driven or emotion emotionally mm -hmm. driven, and they're just bleh, throw, you know comes out mm -hmm. their mouth, and, mm -hmm. and they cause a lot of damage. Yes. And I can see why your process would help them recognize both an intentionality behind their they're speaking, and kind of more complex in their thinking to see how what they're saying might affect immediate people in their in their orbit and then down the road. Mm -hmm. But I'm also wondering too, because you, know, you probably work with people who are almost the exact opposite of that. Be because of egoic issues, they're afraid of speaking mm -hmm. truth, their own truth, because mm -hmm. they're they're fearful of how they're perceived by other people. Is your process also? Because you're developing the witness in, in part of the intentionality, does that help them see, like, I'm not saying this stuff because it's coming through my mind. I'm not speaking because I'm a fearful of X, Y, or Z and these potential outcomes yeah, that might occur. The, certainly, it, it, it would help either one of those people. Those are, those are two ends of, of yeah, a, yeah. a vast spectrum. It mm -hmm. would help either person. Yet, what the first word practice does is it simply develops the ability to both think and speak like a warrior mm -hmm. with intention. Mm -hmm. Because before the spoken word, thought exists. And so in any given moment of our life, if we're witnessing the quality of what we're speaking, oftentimes what we say is a censored version of what we're thinking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which is tragic oftentimes, because if we are in conversation with someone who's speaking very negatively, they're feeding the dog of fear in their life, it's a snapshot into how poisonous their thought process must be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because what they're saying is a slightly censored yeah. version of what they're thinking. Right, right, right. And so by developing the ability to witness the quality of what we're saying, we simultaneously witness the thought that precedes the spoken word. <laughs> and that process is profound. And then for the spiritual devotee, what happens in that space between our thought and what we say, in that space is the presence of God. Mm -hmm. And and when we when we are able to, to to speak through God in us, everything changes. Yet in order to do that we need space in the mind. And this process helps that evolve. So uh, let me talk about the, the, the this other extreme and see what you have to say in terms of this process. Um, so I have to imagine you've been around people who are seemingly very precise. They mm -hmm. say the perfect things at the perfect time, mm -hmm. but knowing them over time as a friend or a mentor, as a partner, or whatever it might be, you know that there's a lot of emotional damage going on, and they're using the language to actually hide from what's happening inside themselves. Mm -hmm. Would you would you then think that this process could be helpful for them to clean, help them recognize their own kind of emotional? damage, the emotion, uh, emotional garbage, whatever you want to call it, um, and that they're actually using language to hide from their own experience. Well, it's, a, it's, it's tricky because if just because we're thinking something doesn't mean that we need to further exasperate it by speaking it. 
Speaking it will accelerate the growth of what we're thinking. Speaking accelerates the creative process. So an example would be, I may be feeling an imbalance in my body. That feeling is then associated with a thought process where my thinking now is identifying the fact there's an imbalance in my body. If I go the step further and now speak the fact that I have an imbalance in my body, now I am accelerating that reality. That is going to become my experience where I can use my words in any given moment to influence the quality of my thought. So it works both ways, and that's the beauty of this process. Is For example, the reason that the mantra is so powerful and that Mark teaches the mantra is a spoken mantra can in fact override turbulence in the mind. Mm -hmm. So if I identify in my mind that I am feeding the dog of fear, in that moment, rather than wrestling with the dog of fear, I'm going to speak out loud my mantra, which has that vibration, that calibration, Mm -hmm. and and it it changes the quality of my thinking. Nice. Okay. So for therapeutic healing, I've found, and we can look to the wisdom of the Bible for this as well, Christ never spoke of sickness. He always spoke the solution. So when he was in the presence of the crippled, it was take up thy bed and walk. Okay. Lazarus, arise. Okay. He didn't even witness. He didn't even identify. He didn't even speak death. All of his miracles were performed in the positive tense. Another example of this is when the apostles went out and conducted a reconnaissance of the people that had followed Christ through the Sermon of the Mount. Over 5,000 people. These people were famished. They were thirsty. They needed to be fed. The apostles also knew they had about five loaves of bread and a few fish. (laughs) They went to Christ and they said, We've got 5,000 people, and there's no way we can feed all of them. Christ simply said, give me what you have. Blessed it, gave thanks, and fed the multitudes. So another story that is not from the Bible, but the warrior tradition, it's nice to bounce back and forth between like the life of Christ and warrior tradition. So King Leonidas, perfect example of this. A conduction of reconnaissance takes place. Scout comes back and says, King Leonidas, we have to retreat. This is at the gates of Thermopylae. Okay. The enemy force is so great that the archers alone, when they loose their arrows, the arrows are going to block out the sun. <laughs> good cause for retreat, right? The king says, good, we will fight our battle in the shade. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Positive reframing. Of yeah. The... So it's like, you know, yeah. if, if we look to Christ and if we look to the greatest warrior leaders that have ever lived, what we find is that they're always speaking in the positive tense. Mm. Which, which means to me, one of two things are happening. Either, either one, they're, they're thinking in the positive tense, and their thinking is therefore influencing their spoken word, mm-hmm. or perhaps in that moment, King Leonidas was terrified. We don't know. Right. He may have thought to himself, we're doomed. This is our final stand. But nevertheless, he spoke positively. Mm-hmm. So what we learn from the great teachers is that just because we're thinking one way, doesn't mean we have to speak that way. We can still influence the quality of our spoken word at any given moment. From what you just said, though, it also sounds like they might have recognized at some deep level a responsibility to the other or the of other. Of course, yeah. It's not just about them. And, you know, in our program, 
you know, we talk about self mastery, but for service, exactly for something bigger than yourself. Or exactly. Than yourself. Yeah. So Mark and I talk about this a lot. I'm, you as well. I mean, you know, there's there's that delicate balance of service and mastery. Mm-hmm. And what we find is that by mastering ourselves, we can ultimately be of greater service. Mm-hmm. And one of the keys to self mastery is mastering the spoken word, right. because when we are speaking positively, we're of greater service. Right. That can be a force multiplier, the spoken word. That's awesome. Isn't that cool? So that's the mind. So let me ask you, for you, what is your cutting edge in terms of the body? <laughs> Which some of your challenges that you might be facing? Yeah. Um, well, I'm in my 17th year of CrossFit. And, you know, the key to the longevity that I've had in CrossFit is strict adherence to technique. And virtuosity. Glassman instilled in that in me within a week or two of training with him. And virtuosity simply means to do the common uncommonly well. So in terms of virtuosity, now kind of what I'm up to in my teaching is virtuosity can be a tool that can help in the integration of the mind, the body, and the spirit. So to be able to embark on a physical pursuit and to do the physical skill that's common uncommonly well will lead to longevity and success in any physical endeavor. Mm-hmm. We can also have virtuosity in our mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we can have virtuosity in our meditation, in our spiritual pursuit, whatever that may be for an individual. Like We can bring that quality of virtuosity to our entire life. Bring, talk to me about the virtuosity when it comes to your diet and nutrition. Yeah, you know, great question, brother. I mean, the nutrition plan I advocate in the book is rather simple. It's the zone diet. I've been doing that for nearly 17 years. It's extraordinarily simple. Yet to be able to have passion for something that's simple, that's another quality of virtuosity. And what's so amazing as well is if we look to, for example, Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris won the majority of his fights with three techniques. I didn't know that. Yeah. And uh, his opponent knew what those three techniques uh, were and could do nothing to stop him. Roundhouse kick? Is that one of them? Roundhouse, and then he had a straight linear punch and lead leg kick. Oh, really? I'm not sure the third. Okay. Very, very linear, simple, oh. basic attacks. Wow. Okay. You know, it, it, the, the story I share at Unbeatable Mind is Guchin Fuzaski, the father of modern karate, was teaching a seminar for 100 black belts. The technique he taught was right forearm outward block. And before he teaches that technique, he's watching himself perform it. And he says out loud before all of his students, I think I'm finally starting to understand this technique. And the technique that he was finally starting to understand and that he would teach that day is a white belt technique, day one technique. So that's virtuosity. Yeah, and that's the mind of a master. <laughs> it is. That's mastery, yeah. is being able to really commit to the basics and yeah. be passionate about the basics. Nice. So we've gotten some information about your, your physicality, your training, your diet, nutrition, spirituality, some of your mind practices. Um, what else do you have going on? What, like, what, what are you looking into into the near future and saying, I want to learn that. I need to yeah. see this. This is kind of my cutting edge. Yeah, what's what's next, brother, is, is I'm going to seminary school. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I was just accepted to... Oh, my uh, God. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was just accepted about uh, maybe two or three weeks ago now to Western Seminary. And I'm going to go through the Masters of Divinity program. Wow. Yeah, so it's a three-year, rather intensive course of study, and I'll start in the fall. 
Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, oh my so, goodness. So, you know, it's kind of like um, I, I, I liken it to, to CrossFit, where when I started CrossFit, what do you think I did after my first CrossFit workout? Uh, threw up, laid down, took a nap for a couple of days. What? I didn't. I didn't, I didn't throw up. I, I. I certainly crumbled up in a, in a heap on the floor. I was green. Um, I went to work at the sheriff's office, and I told everyone who would listen what I'd just done. I was. I was an overnight ambassador for something I knew very little about. Nice. <laughs> because I was so excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. that's what happens when we find something that excites huh? us. We huh? want to tell everybody. Right, right, right. And I told everyone. And I still do to this day. Yet at a point in my enthusiasm for sharing, I realized in order to really authentically share, I have to learn. Hmm. I have to devote myself to Coach Glassman, and I have to become a disciple of what I endeavor to ultimately teach. Nice, right. And I've done the same thing with every thing I'm passionate about. Mm -hmm. I have an interest in yoga, and I go to my teacher, Mark, and I embark to this day on a fellowship, a journey in learning yoga. I do that with martial arts. And I've done that with every department of my life except what's ultimately most important to me, and that is knowing God. And all of the wisdom that I teach has been what I categorize as very um, experiential. It's experiences that I've had that I am perceiving through the Word of God. Yet, I want to go to a deeper level. I want to be a disciple the same way I've been a disciple to other departments of my life, such as CrossFit, martial arts, and yoga, and the military and law enforcement. I want to be a disciple of the Word of God. And the only way to really authentically do that is all in. I want to go full immersion. Wow. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Man. Uh, (laughs) With that... Uh, where can people find out more about your various books and your yeah. training program and all that kind of good I, stuff? I would just direct people to my website, gregoryalmanson.com. And another project that is going to be launching in August, something I'm really excited about, is FaithWorks Ministry. So the website is faithworksministries.net. And this is a means of bringing faith and fellowship and exercise to a demographic of people that are experiencing PTSD. Wow. So the idea that faith can work in someone's life, Mm -hmm. that comes from the book of James, where James is teaching that faith without works is dead, Mm -hmm. and works brings faith to life. So they're very complementary. And what we see in a CrossFit gym is that a CrossFit gym can be an amazing opportunity for ministry because you have exercise you have an opportunity to share a message and you have an opportunity to share a meal and those three components exercise ministry meal create fellowship and bond so beginning in august we're going to start at my gym in santa cruz and i expect it will spread like wildfire throughout the community is a faith works ministry program where those three steps take place. It'll be the first Sunday of every month. So that's something that people can find out more about and hopefully get involved in yeah, yeah, yeah. on uh, on either GregoryAmundsen.com or FaithWorksMinistries.net. Wow, you got a busy summer, my Yeah, friend. it's going to be exciting. That's awesome. Exciting, yeah. Greg, thank you. Thank you for having me, Michael. Thank you to be here, brother.